Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, more Believe in South Carolina, but first I have to tell you about our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's real easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Balls free on the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! But we are just 16 Saturdays away until South Carolina football kicks off on September 3rd at williams Bryce, And we are getting closer and closer to the second season of the Shame Beamer era. Welcome in, everyone, to Believe in South Carolina. I am Mike Yuva, and joining me today is Nick Klaus. And, and Nick, no Marcus. Marcus is doing like a sabbatical thing. Not mm-hmm. really. He's just, he's just off today. He's doing all traveling, but... The Gamecock running back will be on with us again next week, and we're actually going to be getting some guests on starting next week, we hope, so be sure to tune in for that. So this will be a condensed episode, and I was telling Nick, the other night I had the opportunity to go to the Beamer Ball. Now, some of you might be saying, you know, what the heck is the Beamer Ball? Well, on Saturday night, Shane Beamer and the USC football team put together a nice little event over at Williams-Brice. And you had a lot of donors. You had a lot of former players. You have a lot of supporters. They all came out. And it was exactly what it was called. It was a ball, to say the least. You know, cocktail attire. You had the music going on out there. Little finger foods. Uh, plenty of drinks that were free. Got to be careful with that sometimes. But it was it was a lot of fun, Nick. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is this. Unfortunately, we look back and by nature, we're going to compare things, right? Mm-hmm. I've said this before, going back to my days at Watch Fox. Will Muschamp, I thought was a, was a great person. I had no issues with Will. I thought he was a fantastic person. I thought he was funny, but he did things very NFL-like. And Marcus has shared that on this very program that we do here, Believe in South Carolina, the first episode that we did. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and check that one out. He gives a little insight as to why he didn't think the Will Muschamp era worked during his time in Columbia. But I just cannot imagine in a million years Muschamp ever doing something like that. And the reason I bring that up, Nick, you have to be able to know your audience. You have to be able Mm -hmm. to know your audience. I don't care what it is, right? You target market, as my old college professor Mike Lewis would say at Assumption. You got to know your target market. And the reality is in this market, it's a college town. You want to be able to show the people, especially the people that are going to be donors. You want to show that you you, you care, but you also want to make yourself visible. And being able to do that and seeing not just Shane Beamer, but the other assistant coaches. You also had Chance Miller. You had Ray Tanner. You had everyone there last night. It was just a good opportunity to be able to physically be in front of someone. And it wasn't like, hey, we had this event and Shane Beamer just disappeared. I mean, he was talking to everybody. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, 
first off, sounds like a pretty, I mean, high class, prestigious event with all the, you know, free drinks, finger food. So Mike got Mike got lucky I, getting to I go got to that. Lucky. I got lucky. I got very lucky. <laughs> I hey Mike, you want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? But uh, so that's awesome that you got to go to that. But I think the knowing your audience thing is huge because South Carolina, whether you're a fan, you're an alum, you live in the area, you want to be involved. I mean, that's the big thing. South Carolina fans love to be a part of it. And Shane Beamer wants them to be a part of it. And that's why he does things like this. He wants to bring the donors in, former players, everyone. He wants everyone to feel included in a part of this team. And he shows that when he tweets about the fans or for the spring game, trying to get people out, that type of thing. Muschamp, and this is coming from a student who went to the school during a majority of the Muschamp era, didn't care about the students being involved, didn't care about really people being part of it. He ran it like a business. And Marcus says it all the time. I mean, it's a business. College football is a business. You see the money coming through right now, especially with NIL, all those things. And that's how he ran it. Very closed door. Didn't let freshmen speak. Those types. He had his rules, his things that he liked to do. And you were doing it Muschamp's way or you're not a part of this. And it is nice to see Beamer. And he's done it since the day he came. He embraces what South Carolina is, the city of Columbia, the students that make those games so fun, the players that make those games so fun, and that atmosphere, and he really embraces it, which, I mean, props to Shane Beamer for knowing. I mean, he was here before. He knew. He saw Spurrier do it. He knew what what he needed to do to come in and, you know, try to do this the best way he could and be the best coach of South Carolina football. And he wants to be here for a long time. And I mean, I know I want him here for a long time if he can make it work. And so it's great to see him involving, being more involved with fans, students, I mean, student media, anything. This ball was great too, but he's done so much. I mean, Mike's seen a lot of people who listen to this podcast have seen, he, he let me do an interview. I was a student at a, I was, I did hockey broadcasting. He came, he was more than happy to sit with me and do, and he opened the broadcast with me and that meant the world to me. It meant the world to Gamecock hockey. And it was awesome. And also shout out to uh, Gamecock lacrosse national championships. National oh, champions over Georgia Tech, Corbett Glick, my boy Teddy Russell. He had a sick goal, so I want to shout them out on here. Absolutely. Congratulations to the champs. Essentially back-to-back champs because you had COVID season. That kind of screwed things up, obviously, in there with it not being a, a full tournament the year after as well. So essentially you're back-to-back national champs. But, yeah, and I think – and here and here's the thing with Shane, okay? I've said this before. You know, I woke up. We're taping this on Sunday. I sent him. I sent him a text just to give him a heads up about Carlin's, um, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Carlin's Patel signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I sent him a message. I mean, just hey, you know, great seeing you guys last night. You know, it's just authentic, and it's those little things that I share because I want people to realize like what you see from Shane in the media sessions when we have a chance to put the camera in front of him. Uh, it's the exact same away from it, and. He, uh, he, he's been, he's just been awesome to deal with. He's been awesome to deal with. Now there may have been, there may have been certain things that Spurrier did during his time here that obviously I don't, cause I wasn't here covering the team, 
Um, so I can only relay the messages that I was told based on uh, the event last night from like the Kirk Collinsworth of the world and some of the other donors. Spurrier never did really anything like this. And if he did, it was never to this magnitude of what Beamer did last night or um, Saturday night. So it was, it was good. It was good. Um, and it was, it was just the vibes. When you talk about building a culture, right? We hear that word all the time. And we're going to look at it from a basketball standpoint with Lamont Paris. How is he going to be able to build a culture? And obviously we know it's a football state. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Two national championships in baseball, back-to-back years. You've seen two national championships for women's basketball. It's it's always going to be a football state first. It's a football city, too, for that matter. So it's always going to be different. But when you have the opportunity to be able to bring people like that together, I think it can create something very special. It can. And you're trying to be able to, you know, from a donor standpoint, you want to be able to show them that you care, but it's not just doing it to be able to get some money. You can read and that, that and see that. that. That's what Shane's always wanted to do. I mean, his big thing was come here and do something special. And a big thing that's Marcus has said in the past is Shane Beamer is always learning. So you mentioned that you didn't like Spurrier. I mean, we both know, we both don't really know. We weren't here for the Spurrier era at all. And I was what? 10. Um, so you look at that, but Spurrier might not have done that, but Beamer's looking around and seeing what other schools do, seeing ways he can learn from Spurrier, learn from other coaches and improve and then make it better to create something special because everyone says, and I've heard it before, South Carolina has South Carolina football has everything you need to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's just taking those things and now actually, you know, getting the players, getting the team, the chemistry all right to put it all together and go out on the field and compete and do it right. And you mentioned Lamont Paris. I mean, in my opinion, I really am rooting for him very hard. Um, he's got an uphill battle. I mean, we don't provide everything you need, need to be the one of the top basketball teams in the country. I mean, we have the great facilities. We have our athletics department is fantastic. I mean, all those things, but I mean, you see way the way the program is. I mean, we're getting all transfers. So that's definitely an uphill battle. Whereas Beamer, I think if you become the coach head coach of the university of South Carolina football team, you have everything you need. And now he's just trying to do things to make it a special well, program. You mentioned something earlier, Nick. You mentioned something earlier, the fact that he's already been here. So mm-hmm. being able to understand what that looks like, especially during a time period when things were at its high. I mean, there's not a lot of successful years. Let's call a spade a spade here. South Carolina football has not had many successful years. I mean, you no. can count on both hands the number of what? Eight-win seasons, nine-win seasons, whatever the case may be. There hasn't been a lot of success here. Okay, That's just the reality of it. When you look at it from a Shane to different sports, right, with Lamont Paris, Lamont obviously is going to have an uphill battle like you alluded to for multiple reasons, right? You talk about some of the resources, the lack thereof, in comparison to some of the other schools in the SEC, and that list has come out in terms of the amount of money that goes into the program. But I think the other thing, too, is you have to be able to build those those relationships. And because he already has an idea of what 
what it, you know, he could tell you every school, mascots and everything, right? You know, Lower Richland, you know, the Diamond Horn, whatever the case may be, because he's been here. He's been here. Mm-hmm. He's already done this. So, you know, I, I bring that up, and it's unfairly picking out Lamont a little bit. You have to be able to build those relationships authentically, right? You have to be able to reach out to these different coaches. I've had conversations with coaches, some high school basketball coaches, and they feel like he hasn't reached out to them enough already, you know, that the assistant coaches are doing the talks. And uh, I'll tell you right now, right, some of these high school coaches feel like Lamont has not took the time to be able to build that connection the same way that uh, a guy like Shane Beamer has from a football standpoint. You know, I think that- to to be a, a successful coach at any sport, I think at the University of South Carolina, you have to dive into the community. Mm-hmm. You have to immerse immerse yourself, uh, immerse yourself in the community, the high schools, Irmo High School, all the ones that are local to Columbia, all the private schools that are right there, Heathwood, all those. I mean, you got to get out there and I think really become part of the community because. It, I don't, you just can't really explain it. I mean, after living there for four years, you just start to understand that sense of community just means so much to the people get, of Columbia. Yeah, and they, this, they need so, that. I got to add this to it, Nick, because, you know, I know what's going to happen. Someone's going to hear this. They're going to clip it. I'm going to get a phone call. Everyone's going to be all pissed off saying, you know, what are you talking about? That's not the case. Look, I mean, I, I talk, I still, I mean, you got to realize, I'm not saying you necessarily, Nick, I covered high school sports here for over five years. I'm very close with a lot of these high school basketball coaches, high school coaches, just in general. Um, This isn't a smear campaign or anything like that. I'm just relaying what I've been told. Okay. Does that mean he's not talking with some of these high school coaches? No, he's talking with some of them, but some of them feel like he hasn't reached out the same way. Maybe you look at, like I said, you were just comparing to Shane Beamer, and he has a lot going on. The guy's trying to build a program up basically from scratch because he he's he trying like, he's yeah. trying to get a team he's trying to get a team together for next year. But I, I say mean, that, that's yeah. So like I said, right, and I prefaced this when I said this a couple couple minutes ago. Unfairly, we are comparing Lamont to Shane here. But the reason why is we're seeing what Shane has been able to do, and he's done things as good as you can from just an authentic standpoint. And Lamont's going to have, he's got a lot of work cut out for him. I mean, shoot, he probably just has the office together, right? He's trying to figure out how to turn the computer on. Um, as, as Beamer joked around a year ago, trying to figure things out of the office. So, you know, he'll be able to catch up. But the point being is, and we've seen this with Don Staley as well. You want to be able to build something. You have to be authentic. You have to do the little things, right? I mean, if he's able to, build those relationships up with those coaches, the AU coaches, he's going to be all right. I've said this before. Kerry Rich is probably the best decision that he has made since arriving at South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's from a basketball standpoint. Okay. But when you look at it, what Shane's done, Shane has done a lot of little things. And I've noticed, and I, I said this, I've said this before on a different program last summer, birdies with Beamer, you know, who came out to that Sterling sharp Sterling, doesn't really associate himself with the university. I feel like the way that maybe fans would like him to, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's been, there's been some, um, some tension there over the years, but I think it's getting better. And I think a guy like Shane Beamer, the fact that he understands, I think a lot of people at USC, they understand respect the hell out of Sterling. And I think that is something that they can repair um, in terms of the magnitude of it. 
I'm the wrong person to, to ask on that. I'm not going to speak on behalf of Sterling or anyone else. But I, I, I say that because I use that as an example. Shane's doing the little things to be able to build relationships up with people, and it goes much farther than just the, uh, the Sterling Sharps of the world. It goes much further than just players and coaches. He's doing with, with, this, with the donors. He's doing it with the students, like you alluded to before, getting an interview at the hockey game. So those little things do freaking matter. They really do. Um, they really do. And I think I think the challenging part, Nick, is you see that. We're still in the honeymoon phase. Yeah, it's been year one. Okay, had seven wins. What happens if the season starts off bad? Tough schedule. One and two, you know? One and two. How does that kind of change things? Well, I think if you're authentic with people, you get people to be in your corner. And then if you're able to fight your way out, which, you know, the way the schedule shakes out for South Carolina, even if they do start off a little rocky, they have a chance to be able to still be able to get seven, eight wins in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, year one went so well. And that's a seven and six season, but it's, I mean, Beamer's first time as a head coach and coming into South Carolina, it went so well. You're right. South Carolina is still in the honeymoon phase with Shane Beamer, but he's like you said, doing these little things that are making you not just support him as the coach of the university of South Carolina of, Oh, I go to the school. I go to USC Shane Beamer's our coach. I support him because I support our football team. You start to support Shane Beamer because you want him to be successful for the university and you care about him because he's one of you and you care about the university and the football team. And he's done so many little things that it really has built it up a lot and everyone's pretty happy with how it's been going. But, I mean, how well they did in year one is creating some, and for some people, some ridiculous, ridiculously high expectations Mm -hmm. that and also people are you know on social media on instagram i've seen it you see all the early heisman odds coming out and rattlers in the top 10 Mm -hmm. in a lot of them and that gets you excited and like you just gotta pull back a little bit because you're right we could start one and two we could have a rough start the team could not mesh or gel the way we think it is and the way we hope it is um or fans hope and you know, you have to just hopefully Beamer has done enough of these small things, built trust with the university, built trust with the fans, which I think he's done pretty well of doing. Obviously, you're going to have upset fans, but I think he's done well to build that trust where if they start one and two, all right, rally behind Coach Beamer. I mean, last season, I couldn't tell you how many times I was pissed at how the Gamecocks were playing. At what you were seeing, the offense, what they were doing under Satterfield. I mean, how many times that just frustrates you so much? I mean, it ended with a seven and six season and a great bowl game. So mm-hmm. you kind of just have to trust that process and, you know, lower your expectations a little bit, be realistic and, you, you know, know, understand. Happen. You know, no, people- not, not at all. Uh, I will say this. I will say this. Though, going back, uh, talking about Lamont Paris, there's an event coming up, and uh, I want to make sure that everything is good to go before we push that out there, help promote it. But uh, I was told last night that Lamont will be there with Don Staley and Shane Beamer. So two great people we talk about that have done it the right way from a, you know, authentic, 
authenticity, right? You know, just being authentic and building those relationships with the community. Um, those are two good people to be taking the old private plane with or whatever the heck they're going to take up to, uh, to this event that's going to be coming up next month um, to be able to learn from. So, you know, Lamont's going to be those, He's those gonna are the be- two people. Those are the two people to look up to. I, especially Don, especially Don. I think Shane Beamer looks up to Don and what yeah, she's he's, built. So he's, he's going to be all right. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people will get upset at me sharing that. But like I said, I'm just telling you exactly what I've been told. You don't like it. Well, go listen to someone else. Um, I do want to mention this, though. So we talked about the Beamer ball, how that took off. That was that was fantastic. Different events we've seen Shane um, and that coaching staff as a whole just be open and, and be able to have some fun. Um, one thing, though, that you need is you need to be able to have good players if you want that fun to continue to roll on. And what we've seen from this Gamecock team this offseason, right, they have took advantage of the transfer portal. The reason I want to mention the transfer portal is because a year ago, South Carolina took advantage of the portal and they brought in a guy named Carlin Splatel. Now, Anyone that has followed my career knows that I love talking about my university. I'm proud of it. Division II school assumption out in Massachusetts. So when this guy was coming in, transferring in from assumption, I know there were some people saying, oh, Mike's just saying that this kid's going to be good because he played out of school. Well, fast forward to now, Garland's Patel has signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's another Gamecock that is going to have an opportunity to go into training camp. So I bring that up because – when you look at what Beamer has done, right, in terms of bringing some of these guys in, one guy that I have been extremely high on is Antoine Wells Jr., you know, coming in from James Madison. Some of these smaller school guys that come in, at the end of the day, it's just one player, okay? Um, Jalen Brooks was not part of the Beamer era, even though, you know, things came to a, uh, an abrupt halt um, for for – for other reasons, um, with him not being with the team. But I, I say that because, you know, there's certain players when you look at during the Beamer era in terms of this transfer portal success, you're going to look at players. And we only have a small sample size right now. But the point being is him, guys like Taylor Edwards that do a phenomenal job with being able to find some of these players as well and some of the other assistant coaches, that's not a bad player to look at and be like, huh, Carlin's Patel. Division two guy came in here, chose USC over Mississippi State and Coastal Carolina, just to name a few schools that were going after him. And now you fully, fully jump, dive in headfirst this offseason with the transfer portal. I don't know if that makes you more excited knowing like, hey, look, Spencer Rattler's here. We know what he's capable of. But some of these smaller name school guys, right, they come in. You're like, all right, look at what Carlin's did. I might just be getting a little too excited about it, Nick. But my point, my whole point is this transfer portal. That's just the way it's going to be. Okay. Some of these guys, people are going to look at me like, why are they bringing this guy in or that guy? I don't know. They've proven that they can be successful. And there's so much. I mean, if someone recruiting yourself and, or maybe have gone through a recruiting process, those types of things, I mean, there are a lot of players who don't get the D1 looks, don't get all the all the hype up and stuff, but they're extremely talented and you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they hit their growth spurt late or started to develop later and got better at the sport later. 
and now they're finally getting their opportunities at the D1 level. I mean, Carlin Splatel came in, played here one year, had made his impact, and went from the D2 to the Division One level, and now is signed with an NFL team. I mean, that's that's a dream, got to be a dream come true for him. So first off, congratulations to him, uh, assumption boy of Mike's, which is why he's so excited, I'm sure. And uh, But the thing is, is you look at Wells, Antoine Wells from James Madison. I mean, I grew up in Virginia. Most of my friends went to James Madison. And what people don't understand is James Madison, you don't just go there because, oh, I don't have offers. Mm-mm. You go there because you want an FCS national championship. You want to be part Duke. of a powerhouse. You want, you want to be a part of something big. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I mean, the transfer portal in general has been obviously a great thing for South Carolina. You bring in Rattler, you bring in Stogner. I, I'm reading lists of most exciting players coming into the next season, best transfers coming in. Antoine Wells Jr. is on those lists. Yep. And he, I'm so excited to watch him because I think he is really, he's going to take the SEC by storm. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best receiver in the SEC. I'm not saying anything like that. But if you're expecting, oh, he's just an FCS transfer, why did we pick him up? There's a reason. Mm-hmm. There is a hundred percent a reason he's extremely talented. He's athletically gifted and he's going to do great. And that's the thing. You can't look at these transfer players and maybe just be like, Oh, he's from a small school. He's not going to be good. Or he's from this school. He's not going to be good just because yes. Radler and Stogner were highly touted transfers from Oklahoma. That's huge, but there's a lot of great players in the transfer portal. And actually with the transfer portal, the way it is right now, I think there's more players than schools at the moment. There so, are, and and I think where I was trying to go with everything earlier, I was obviously like you said, I'm I'm excited, I'm excited for this guy. You know, he's he's a guy that um, went to a very good high school in Massachusetts. Then he comes in at Assumption, and he's able to make an impact right away as a freshman, and it led him to a point where he was actually up for one of the top awards you can get for for a smaller school guy um, during his time when he was at assumption it's called the cliff Harris award, which honors the nation's top small college defensive player of the year. So the reason I'm bringing this up is, and the reason why I mentioned guys like Antoine Wells jr. I've had this conversation with some of my, my buddies who are in the coaching world who coach, you know, FCS ball. Um, there's some of them that are in the FBS level, but and then some of the sources that I've developed in relationships with the coaches that I, that I get to know over the years and have got to know over the years the reason why it is important to continue to look at these transfers from smaller schools is because it's going to continue to happen and it's going to happen for different reasons. But I think one of the main reasons why is you see a guy, I'm going to use Antoine Wells Jr. For example, guys are going to start to go off at some of these smaller schools. And as you alluded to Nick, there's multiple reasons why some of these guys end up at smaller schools. Maybe they just didn't hit their growth spurt coming out of high school. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, from an academic standpoint, it held them back and it made things a little bit more challenging to get to certain schools or what, whatever the case may be. Maybe their coach didn't make that, that push for them coming out of high school to be able to get recruited the same way they do maybe a year or two later, depending on what school they're at. So I bring all that up because I'm not going to be surprised one bit to see, not just at South Carolina, but throughout college football as a whole, 
you start to see more guys, whether it be Division Two, whether it be FCS, starting to transfer up after a year or two. And it is scary if you are one of these smaller schools because ultimately you want these players to be as good as they can. But at the same time, as you're grooming them, as you're developing them, as you get them better, there's a possibility that they might leave because they might look at it and say, hey, look, I feel like I can raise my stock for the draft, potentially play in the NFL, play at the next level. But on top of that, I might be able to capitalize from an NIL standpoint because if I'm playing at one of these smaller schools, I might not be able to make any money. I might not be able to make some money. But if I can go improve myself at a higher level, that's going to be an option for me that I might want to take take a, take on. So, yes, the Spencer Rattlers. Yes, the Austin Stogners. Yes, the Christian Beale Smiths. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. But take a look at, over the next couple of years, the Carlin Patels of the world, the Antoine Wells Juniors. I mean, shoot, you could just look at Reed as well coming in from a Mac school. You know, these, these non-Power 5 schools. Keep an eye on players like that and how South Carolina has success over the next couple of years from the transfer portal when it comes to non-Power 5 guys. I think that's something to keep an eye on because I feel like it's going to continue to happen. And Beamer, if they can prove to, to hit another big one this offseason with having Antoine Wells Jr., I mean, boy, you want to talk about, you know, finding two guys right away that can make an impact. And as I mentioned, Reed's another one. Botel came in here, played 12 games. He only missed the Troy game because he was dealing with an injury. But he, he started seven games at nickel towards the end of the year, last seven games. So um, he's definitely a guy that made an impact. But I feel like we'll continue to see this trend. And like I said, keep an eye on Wells Jr. this year and Reed. And who knows, we could see it become a trend just at the University of South Carolina as well with – becoming a school that has given these kids a shot. Some kids in lower levels are just looking for a chance. Yep. I mean, it was their dream to play big D1 football in a big major conference, a power five conference. They needed a chance in South Carolina is kind of showing Beamers right now. If you're good, if you have the talent, I'm going to bring you in. I don't care if you were at FCS. I don't care if you're at D2, whatever school you were at, if you have that talent, he's going to bring you in. So I agree, you're going to see this all over and, you know, in every sport, in every single sport, in college sports, D2 kids, they're amazing D2 kids, they're amazing NAIA kids, they're amazing D3 kids, there are D2, I remember, I grew up playing lacrosse, I played lacrosse at the University of Tampa for a little bit, I mean, my University of Tampa D2 team could be, at the time, Jacksonville University, which was D1. Studs. I mean, I had kids. Yeah. We, I played with kids who are now playing pro. I mean, yeah. it's just in all levels of college sports, there are amazing players. And yep. now you're starting to see these players start to move up with the freedom of the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to continue. It's only going to continue. But I think, you know, to, to beat a dead horse a little bit, talking about Platel, here's another example. Here's another example now when you point to – a guy that's at another school, right? It doesn't even have to necessarily be Division Two, you know? Obviously, if, if Spencer Rattler comes in and has success here and then he goes to the NFL next season and he raises his draft stock up, that's obviously the, the poster child, right? Uh, if Christian Beale Smith comes in here and makes a big impact, that's a poster child that you can use. But some of these smaller school guys, you know, hey, look, you think you come in here, 
you're not going to have a shot. No, that's not the case. Look what Carlin's did. Look what Carlin's did. He came in here, had no Division One experience whatsoever. He started seven games at nickel. Never played nickel before, before he got to, to South Carolina. But because of that, it allowed him an opportunity to get two minicamp invites to the Philadelphia Eagles first, which is where he got spawned by the Pittsburgh Steelers scout. And he got an invite to, to a tryout with them at their minicamp. And uh, because of that opportunity to play nickel at South Carolina, he's been able to play inside, outside, obviously special teams as well. So, you know, I, I just think you look at an example like that, and South Carolina will have plenty. I mean, we just named some of the other guys. South Carolina will have plenty to point at after this season. Um, but they could easily say, hey, look, you don't think you're going to have a chance to compete here? You can. Other schools say it all the time. Other schools say it all the time. South Carolina has a great example to point to, and they'll have plenty more after this season. They've shown it, and, you know, actions speak louder than words. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, before we wrap things up, Nick, I know you mentioned it. South Carolina lacrosse winning the national championship. We hit on it a little bit earlier. Let's have some fun here before we end things. You were down in Tampa for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've told you this before. My brother played lacrosse down there. Um, hell of a program. You know, competing for national championships or at least competing to make the national championship, it seemed like every freaking year. I think my brother was a runner-up um, in the semis, I think, three of the four years he was down there. So one of the reasons why I think they have so much success, and this is where I'm going with it. This is I'll tie it back into South Carolina. It's an easy sell. Tampa's a freaking easy sell. Uh, I didn't go down to school there by any means. Uh, I've said this before. If I went to school at USC, I don't know how the heck I would have graduated because I feel like there's so many freaking distractions around here. God bless every si- – you guys should all get like an extra like medal for graduating from South Carolina with all the extra distractions you have going on here with the weather, the pool, the bars, the women. I mean, everything. So I say that, Nick. If South Carolina were to have a lacrosse team that played in the NCAA – I feel like it would be very, very easy for them to be able to be contenders. I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship right away, but the fact that I use Tampa, obviously different area, bigger city. I get that, but it would be an easy sell. You tell a lot of Northern talent and we're getting more talent down here in the South. Lacrosse is becoming more of a norm Mm -hmm. in the South, but you get some of those Northern boys that want to get the hell out of the cold. Oh man, think of think of a team in South Carolina, NCAA wise. I think they would be very good. Oh, I've been thinking about it a ton just in the past twenty four hours. I mean, just so I I went to the University of Tampa, and like you said, easy sell, top five in D two at the time when I committed. Um, it was a beautiful campus, right on the water. I mean, downtown Tampa. It was the best option in D2 and D3. I wanted a bigger school. Tampa's a little bigger for that level of athletics, and that's what I wanted. So I went down there, and yeah, we had guys from the Hill Academy in Ontario, which is a lacrosse just hotbed, coming down because they wanted to play in warm weather. They wanted to play in Florida, and Tampa was the best school in Florida at the time. Jacksonville, props to them, coming up big. 
as a program. Um, but Tampa was the best place to play at the time and it grew and it just got better and better and shout out to them. They're going into the D2 tournament, number one overall seed undefeated. A lot of my friends still on that team. So good luck to them. Um, but South Carolina would within five years have a top 20 division one lacrosse team. In my opinion, you get the, you know, I'm from Northern Virginia. We played teams in Maryland and Northern Virginia, all of Virginia private schools, everything. It's a hotbed for lacrosse. You go up to New York, there's a hotbed there. Massachusetts has great players. I mean, all over. So many kids would come to the University of South Carolina. You show them. You show them. You're telling me you're going to show those kids 18 years old, 17 years old, playing lacrosse in high school, show them the fraternity lots and sit, like and show them the University of South Carolina and how much fun you can have and play Division One lacrosse. Mm-hmm. They are not going to pass that up. I mean, women's lacrosse, University of Southern California has a team. Yep. I think if they got a team, they'd be top 20 within three years because these kids are going to go there. They're out in happen. L.A. And here's what's going to happen, okay? Title IX plays a big factor in this. And I think that's where you were going with that. You know, you'd have to either have a women's team or you're going to have to add another women's sport or you'd have to get rid of a men's sport and put that in place, okay? And I know it's not as simple as that, but, you know, essentially you'd have to do all that. The reason why I think it would be a good idea for South Carolina to get in front of this, okay? Maybe maybe I'm crazy for saying this, but this is where I think it's going to go. If you look at baseball, and I love baseball, okay? This will always be a city that people like baseball. That's not where I'm going with that. But if you look at trends across the country, there are fewer and fewer people that are participating in youth baseball, Little League. At some point, lacrosse is going to continue to become more and more popular throughout the country. I mean, I could tell you about from just my time during here, getting here in 2016, we're seeing more lacrosse in the state of South Carolina. There are schools that have lacrosse now that a couple years ago never had lacrosse. They didn't. Um, Newberry lacrosse, not too far, obviously, from the University of South Carolina. They have a lacrosse program. So The, I, the I, high school programs yeah. have, so saying, have only I, gotten started. I'm saying this because if I'm South Carolina, you see what this club team is doing. And if you are smart, you realize, hey, at some point, Lacrosse is going to get to a point where we can see a lot of schools in, in the South have lacrosse programs. Like I said, you might listen to me right now and be like, this guy's crazy. You watch. You watch. It's becoming more popular. Baseball, unfortunately, I'm not saying, okay, you're going to get rid of baseball. It's not what I'm saying. But there's going to be that demand, right? I mean, you look at some <laughs> assumption in some of these other schools, they, they're giving money away, scholarships away. For gaming, there are scholarships now for that. So I'm, I'm using this. You have to keep up with the trends in the world. Lacrosse is going to become more popular. If you're South Carolina, hey, the fire's hot right now. Take advantage of it. Take advantage. And here's the thing. I don't know, truthfully. Like, yes, I said I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously, you brought up the Title IX, how it would actually yeah. have to realistically happen. There is a lot more there. And I don't truthfully know how many back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back whatever national championships club lacrosse would have to win to finally get the university to look at it and look at that as a realistic thing. I hope they are. 
I hope they're starting to turn their head and see what they're doing and how great that could be for the University of South Carolina. But realistically, I don't. I'm I don't kicking see myself. I'm kicking, my, I'm kicking myself because I was with the associate AD Chance Miller at the Beamer Ball. Talk to him. And, you know, they just they do a phenomenal job. People can say, you know, look, Ray Tanner, this and that. Ray and Chance, they work there. They work their asses off um, during that search. And like I said, say what you will about how things played out. You know, those two work their asses off. Chance, he's phenomenal. He really is. Um, and he and he does things the right way too. Um, USC is lucky to have him. So I say all that. Because now I'm freaking kicking myself that I didn't ask him last night. I'm like, hey, what do you think? So I, I bring all that up because the next time I see Chance, maybe I'll reach out to him. I'm like, hey, look, could you ever, could you ever see this? And then I'll also explain what I thought, which which I just shared with you, Nick, which is, well, this is where the trends are going. Would you want to see USC get on? And, and the obstacles that maybe they would have to overcome. Like you mentioned, Title Nine, and maybe you have to get rid of a sport and this and that. And, I mean, shoot tough thing is this a lot of universities are still hurting because of COVID so it would be tough right now to add another team um another sport and as much as I I I enjoy lacrosse as much as I feel like lacrosse be very successful in the state of South Carolina the University of USC it's also a sport that's probably not going to be making money probably losing money kind of like baseball that's the that's that's the that's the challenging part of it it's the hard truth of it is that, I mean, like we said, I think at the beginning of this podcast, this episode, it's a football state. Yep. It's, it's, that's where it is. And honestly, in the spring, it's a baseball state. So that would be difficult. I do think the one thing South Carolina has going for them is, I mean, I went to the school and New Jersey kids, Virginia kids, Massachusetts. I mean, a lot of kids come South to go to the university of South Carolina and there's a lot of lacrosse fans in there, a ton of former lacrosse players that would have loved, would love it and embrace it. But I do agree, turning a profit would be very difficult. So that's something, you know, that I, I don't I, believe me. I hope they get a Division One lacrosse team because you know I'd love to come back and be the play-by-play <laughs> voice of Gamecock lacrosse. So I would be more than happy. I want that to happen very badly, but you know, there's a lot that needs to happen first and. Um, but yeah, overall, congratulations to Club Lacrosse for winning back to back because they didn't have a tournament in 2020 or 2021 national championships and uh, future the future of lacrosse in the state of South Carolina is great because of them. And I will say this because of Clemson, too, because mm-hmm. they were a Final Four member as well. So South Carolina yeah. is going up in the world of lacrosse and they're helping a lot. Yep. Hey, uh, and I'll, I'll say this too, from a talent standpoint, I mean, you think about a football player named Jim Brown, right? He was pretty good at lacrosse at Syracuse. I think Marcus, I think Marcus would have been pretty good at lacrosse. You know I mean? You look at some of the football players I mean, they're, and they're, and that's something else too. It's that, you know, some kids do the, do track. I did track in, in high school. Some of them want to do lacrosse though. And there's a lot of similarities that, you know, the things that you're able to pick up on from a, um athletic standpoint so marcus Lattimore. next time we have him next time we do the show and marcus is back we'd have to ask him you know if he uh if he could ever see himself playing lacrosse probably never thought so because it wasn't that big when he was coming up through high school but uh maybe we can we can ask him if if not him 
which one of his teammates he could see being successful back in their heyday. You know, Alshon cutting through the middle, making some plays. I don't know. That'd be good. I mean, but, if uh, they can, if they could learn how to use a lacrosse stick with their athleticism, I mean, the sky's the limit. <laughs> Absolutely for over. any, for a lot of the guys on that team. <laughs> and I want to give a shout out to the Godfather himself, Brian Glenn, throwing a watch party at Village Idiot last minute for the national championship game. And it was neat to see Darius Rucker. Surprise, surprise, giving the shout out to the national champ. So once again, congratulations to Gamecock Lacrosse. They are your national champs, women's basketball, national champs too. Mini title town right now in Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to wrap things up. Next week, Nick will be back with us, obviously. But Marcus will be back with us as well. And we're going to hopefully get some of those guests. I'm going to call them Marcus's friends. And we're going to go back and turn the clocks back a little bit, Nick. Go back to those days when Marcus was a young pup. Just had some peach fuzz on his face. And we'll get some of those former players back and coaches on as well. It'll be fun time. So make sure to continue to give us some good reviews. Depending on where you're listening to this, Believe in South Carolina podcast. We will do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.